Dr. Payne Show, 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U is the number. It's info at paincarecanada.com. Back for another show. We have a we have a full roster uh, this morning. We do. We What's have, going on, pal? Not too much. How are you? I'm good. I'm How good. How was the week? It was, uh, it was excellent. The weekend is here, so all things are good. But awesome. like I said, we have guests in here. Yes, we do. Today we have uh, two special guests. We have Minoj, Dr. Minoj Bergava, an orthopedic surgeon from uh, Etobicoke General Hospital. We also have Dr. Rob Gordon, who's also an orthopedic surgeon Mm -hmm. uh, at Etobicoke General Hospital. They both, uh, Rob specializes in knees and Minoj also specializes in shoulders. Is that right, Minoj? That's right. Yeah. So we wanted to bring them on again today just to highlight the importance of uh, the knee clinic initiative that we've been doing, where you can give us a call directly or email us at info at paincarecanada.com. See if you uh, qualify for the inclusion criteria and get seen by a specialist right away. And so we wanted to bring on these two experts today uh, to essentially highlight how important it is to uh, take advantage of a program like this for right. so many different reasons. And we, prior to starting the show, we were just talking about how when people don't get seen soon enough with with a knee injury, it actually can reduce or, or hinder their outcomes later on and how they can eventually get better. Um, and Dr. Bergava had some, uh, um, some cases that he was uh, thinking about that kind of highlight that importance, why it's so important to be seen early and when you're seen later on, how the, that potentially can reduce your overall outcome and prognosis. So uh, recently, I mean, actually just yesterday, I saw a patient that... 22-year-old man who had a soccer injury about six months ago and almost immediately noted that he couldn't uh, straighten out his knee. Right. Now, you know, perhaps like a lot of 22-year-olds, he kind of ignored it, had some swelling initially, things got better fairly quickly, and he didn't he didn't really see anybody about it. And this guy has been walking around on a knee that won't go straight uh, for about the last six months. Right. So... Uh, that's something that in in the knee world is sort of an urgency, maybe not an emergency, but certainly not something that should wait a long time. So right. this is what we call a, a locked knee, a knee that can't go straight after an injury is something that we need to treat fairly aggressively and fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, certainly in this guy's in cer- certainly in this guy's case, uh, because he hasn't been doing the right things um, and has not been walking properly, his muscles have atrophied. So first problem that we encounter is he needs to rebuild the muscle, which is going to delay his treatment even more. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately he'll need to have surgery for his locked knee. Right. And then he'll likely have to do even more rehab after the surgery as well to get, to yeah, get the, better. Yeah. Certainly the post, the post surgery rehabilitation is just as important. Just as important. And so this is probably um, more prevalent than a lot of people expect. I mean, I know from my my practice and seeing all different types of pain conditions, people will tend to leave things because they think it'll just get better on their own. And you highlighted there that there's some things in the knee world um, that you know, have a sense of urgency to them. Are are there other things that um, you or Dr. Gordon could go through that would highlight what that urgency is? Like you mentioned, uh, the locking. Is there something else that is, is a certain sign or symptom that a patient can observe in themselves that they should say, hey, this isn't something that I just will likely get better on its own? Before we get into that, just w- one of the reasons why it's important to see these people with a locked knee early is because the the reason for the knee not going straight is usually because something is jammed in the knee that's preventing it. So right. the the delay in treatment there results in damage to the surface, the articular surface, 
and to, in this case, the meniscus itself, which really makes fixing it uh, much more difficult than it would have been six months ago. And that you mean from a surgical standpoint? From a surgical standpoint. It's, and it's uh, like a um, stone in your shoe. Mm-hmm. You would never keep a stone in your shoe because it's rubbing, it's, it's wearing out the yes. bottom of yeah, your foot. Point. So having a meniscus or something else stuck in your knee is working exactly the same way where it's rubbing and taking apart and, and roughening up the smooth surface or what we call the articular surface of the knee. What, what is the primary function of the meniscus just for our listeners who don't really understand um, the structure of a knee? I have no clue. Oh, um, so, uh, uh, it, it acts as a shock absorber. Okay. And at, uh, just like in a car, so when your shocks go, it's really bad for the car and the rest of the car. Same thing with the knee. It acts as a shock absorber right. and, 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 and protects the knee. So outside of uh, things like locking, which we've now talked about, what other things are potentially, um, I guess, red flags or thing, maybe not necessarily a red flag, but something that a patient should be more aware of? I know in my practice, clicking, swelling, those types of right. things usually. So swelling is very important. So anytime you have a, a an acute injury, and acute means sudden, so something that occurred really quickly. So as a slip or an, in, as Manoj described in soccer, when you get hit from the side or in football, so there's swelling. There's giving way, so you're walking, all of a sudden your knee buckles, so bu- right. buckling or giving way, swelling, locking, which is which is critical, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of pain. So those are all things that one would look for in an acute knee injury. Right. Uh, a lot of patients that I've seen will often talk about, they, they will tend to confuse things like crepitus and clicking, and obviously clicking is probably m- more worrisome from a surgical perspective than just the crepitus that happens due to just degenerative changes. How can a patient know whether they're experiencing a true click versus crepitus just because there's they're not experts on this? So I think you got to break it down in terms of mechanical symptoms versus non-mechanical symptoms. So um, from a surgery standpoint, mechanical symptoms are really important. So clicking that's painful may be something that would be worrisome, whereas just general clicking in the knee usually is not so worrisome. Not so worrisome. Well, uh, return. I want a definition of crepitus, other than sounding like a character from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. To find out what that really means, uh, the number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L U or info at paincarecanada.com. The Doctor Pain Show continues. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Lots more of the Doctor Pain Show here. We're talking about knees and the clinic, right? This yes. is new. We talked about it last weekend. We want to break it down a little more. Yeah, yeah. we we want, we're going to keep highlighting the the knee clinic uh, initiative um, and, and go on it. Now now I'm laughing because I don't want to use my hands. Doctor Gordon was making fun of me for using my hands uh, while I speak, but on the radio, um, on the radio, because <laughs> <laughs> we can all see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we just ended the last segment speaking about um, meniscal issues and and the things that can happen in the knee. And we're going to go into a little bit how those things are potentially treated from a surgical standpoint. And we'll let Dr. Gordon and Dr. Bergava touch on that. And that will highlight, they'll also touch on why it's so very important to be seen early, which is the whole point of this clinic that we're doing this initiative. Remember, just give me a call, 1-855-55-DRLOU. We'll go, we'll have a quick conversation, see that if you qualify, and then you can get in to see a specialist right away. And there's not going to be that long wait of waiting to see your family doctor uh, and then potentially waiting months and months to see a specialist. This is something that's going to get you in and get you where you need to be much, much quicker. So um, gentlemen, the way we ended off again with the meniscus injuries, what are some of the surgical ways that those things uh, would go about being treated? 
So once we've seen a patient in the office, and, and again, I, I want to congratulate you on this initiative because it is Thank getting you. patients in uh, earlier. And when we get patients in earlier, it's better for them. They get back to work, back to their activities, and we're saving their knees. Right. And uh, I think that's wonderful. So yeah. when you do come in, uh, Dr. Bargava and I would um, assess a patient, see uh, what their symptoms are, see what their function is, and assuming that they do have a meniscal tear, and 90% of the time, we can figure out whether a patient has a meniscal tear just by history and physical exams. Who so ask you questions, uh, ask you how it happened, and 90% of the time we can figure out what the Based diagnosis is. So you don't need MRIs, you don't need useless and costly right. ultrasounds. So it's very important, right. that, especially Manoj, who's gone to Harvard and Yale, uh, <laughs> can figure that out much easier than I can. So, uh, but once once you're in there and we, we figure it out, um, we would talk to you, talk to you about uh, the risk and benefits of surgery. Right. Um, we usually put three holes in a knee. It's called arthroscopy. So we're looking inside the knee with some people call it a laser, but it's not. It's a camera, okay. and we put equipment in and we try to. Uh, fix the meniscus, repair it, which uh, Minoj does a lot of, mm -hmm. and uh, it's great because it, it um, keeps the meniscus in your knee, which is really important. So you're fixing that shock absorber, keeping it there, making it functional again. Right. Sometimes you can't save the meniscus and you have to trim it out, and we always try to leave as much meniscus or cartilage, they're both synonymous, uh, in, in the knee. Right. So I'll turn it over to Minoj and he can talk a little bit what happens uh, when you try to repair it. Yeah, so, I mean, many years ago, the treatment for someone who would present with a meniscus tear would be to make a fairly big incision and to remove the meniscus because surgeons at that time didn't really understand the function of the meniscus as you discussed, the, the, the function of shock absorption wasn't really understood. And those patients did fine short-term, but longer-term, um, most of them developed at least X-ray arthritis on X-ray. So... Can, um, I, can I interject for one second? Yeah. A cool anecdote for that. The only non-athlete in the Sports Illustrated top 100 important people of the century was Bob Jackson from Toronto, mm -hmm. who brought arthroscopy to can to the world no from kidding. Japan. So it's actually uh, was invented and 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 used a lot in uh, in Toronto by uh, Dr. Bob Jackson. Sorry awesome. to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, so. Initially, people were were taking out the meniscus. So, as as Dr. Gordon mentioned, uh, sometimes removing part of the meniscus is necessary. Preferably, in particularly in younger patients, what you'd like to do is save the meniscus. Right, and that may require in, and and not not all menisci are savable, mm -hmm. but the ones that are, particularly in young patients, certainly an attempt to repair it uh, should be done. Right, there is some down. There is some the the benefit is certainly that if it heals and the chances of it healing in a young person are actually quite good, but if it heals, then the risk of arthritis goes way down. Right in the future. Right. If you don't, if you can't, if there's not enough to save, you have to remove most of it, if not all of it. Is there, as you say, a new shock absorber that could be put in there, a manufactured one, a plastic one, or something? Great question. We've you're going to win the Nobel Prize if you figure that out. <laughs> really? Honestly, you will. Yeah. We've had so many things that have invented, like fake cartilage, metal cartilage, uh, artificial cartilage. Well, cartilage from a dead person. Yeah, right. Uh, so allograft. So we do uh, have is is an option. The problem with allograft is that they fail. Right, so. Right. I mean, you, sometimes you have no no choice in a 15, 16 year old to you know that can you, you can't save the meniscus, you're you're setting them up to do an allograft, but wow. that also has its 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 problems. So something that I think that I heard you say, Doctor Bergava, that I think is really important to highlight because 
Um, in all the patients that I see, one of the things is people often, if they can, want to avoid surgery, not realizing that sometimes it's the only option that they have or the best option that they have. And there's always this thought that um, a surgeon will want to do more than they really have to. But like you said, if you can save a part of the meniscus or not be as invasive as possible, um, I'm sure that you, you and Dr. Gordon would opt for that. Like if you see a patient and they're not really an ideal candidate for surgery, you would make that recommendation and give them other options. And, and I think that's something that's important to distinguish for for our average listener, because they think if they're going to a surgeon that all the surgeon wants to do is operate on them. No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think we're quite, uh, quite judicious about who really should have surgery. I think. Right. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people will come in with knee pain uh, that may or may not have a meniscus tear on on MRI or other imaging, right. and they they may not benefit from surgery. You want to send me emails anytime, talk about this topic. If you have a question, uh, no problem. Info at paincarecanada.com. We'll put you in touch with Dr. Lou anytime. Uh, otherwise, the phone number one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. It's the Dr. Pain Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U for contact or info at paincarecanada.com. Okay, so yeah, again, talking about uh, specifically knee pain and issues. Um, the last segment we we touched upon a little bit with um, when people, I mean, the first point of contact is your family doctor. Everybody knows that. And, you know, sometimes people will go to their family doctor, they'll see their family doctor for something like a knee issue. Um, and the family doctor may say, okay, well, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. But people end up wanting, uh, for whatever reason, the mentality is that the more, the better the test, the more information that it can provide. But as Dr. Gordon was saying that a trained specialist such as these two gentlemen here can hear what you have to tell them and then do a physical exam and, you know, within 90% uh, be somewhat uh, certain about what the potential diagnosis is. And so I think a lot of the times people wait or, or are insisting on wanting to have those uh, tests. Those tests cost a lot of money. They can take a lot of time and they probably don't provide much more information to you guys. And if you guys think you need them, you can order them. Um, right. Can you just touch upon that a little bit? Yeah, I think those 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 tests certainly delay the treatment and add a whole bunch of costs to the system that aren't necessary. Right. When is it necessary to have an MRI or something like that? Are there when when should someone be be going to that route? Well, I think if uh, the, what the physician or the specialist is unsure of what the diagnosis is, I think that's a very good reason to uh, ask for an MRI. You have to understand, it does sometimes take three to six months to get an MRI. So again, you're losing a productivity at work with recreation, with your life or whatever it is that you're doing to try to get back. So um, a a specialist and a, a good family doctor will be able to diagnose that Without those special Without tests. Without those special tests. Now, another thing that I've seen a lot in practice, and I see this a lot with um, um, the low back, and I think it's maybe similar that sometimes uh, uh, some type of a healthcare professional will order an x-ray, you see some mild degenerative changes, and automatically it's assumed that it's the, that you know slight wear and tear that is the cause of the pain. Um, and you know, I know specifically for the low back that a lot of the times the correlation that the research gives us between uh, what we see on imaging and what, we, what people actually experience is about 50-50. You can't always say that all the exact same patients that have degenerative changes always have pain. And some people have a lot of pain and not a lot of degenerative changes. Is that a similar situation to the knee? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the one of the problems in the knee is that most of the time the pain is medial, which is the inside of the knee. Right. And the issue is meniscus tears are usually medial, always on the uh, usually on the inside of the knee, and most arthritis is also on the inside of the knee. Right. So the one of the biggest questions that we face is, is it the arthritis? And if they've had an MRI now, is it the arthritis or is it the meniscus tear? In say somebody that's Fifty plus, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to, uh, and and it's important to make that distinction because the treatment is very different. Mm-hmm. So if the meniscus tear we think is causing the trouble, then you would be more likely to undergo an arthroscopy. On the other hand, if the arthritis is the issue, then you may be more likely to be treated conservatively with right. physiotherapy, possibly injections. Right. Um, so some sometimes the character of the pain may be useful. So often we'll ask the question of how what's your pain like. So sharp pain may be more characteristic of uh, meniscal pain, whereas an aching discomfort when you stand up, for, you know, when you when you get up from a chair and start walking, that aching discomfort that you have or just the ache in the knee, that more typically is arthritis. Now, not everything follows those rules, right. but, but that's sort of what we use. But that's a guideline. Now, yeah. is, it, is it useful for anybody that has, and again, to touch upon the imaging aspect, is it useful for somebody who has a knee issue to always have an x-ray or always an ultrasound, not even focusing on a more expensive and, and uh, more elaborate test like an MRI, but are those more simple tests that are more uh, readily available um, potentially a good idea to have? Or same thing, it's, there's still, it's still better to be uh, seen by someone who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. with the knee and can listen to what you have to say in the form of history um, and see you from a physical exam standpoint. I think, again, emphasis on history and physical exam. Um, if someone's a little bit older, older middle age, older, sometimes an x-ray may help you to deper- determine how bad the arthritis is, uh, if there is arthritis. And one of the things is that uh, when you do uh, see the arthritis on an x-ray and there's very, very, uh, there's not a lot of uh, space between the two bones, between the thigh bone and the shin bone, mm-hmm. that sometimes an arthroscopy may not be beneficial. And as, as Manoj said, you may look at non-operative means to try to get people um, Better. What are some of those non-operative things so that can be done? There's rehab, whether yep. it's physio, chiro, massage, uh, osteopathy, mm-hmm. exercise, strengthening. Then there's the other non-operative things like medication that might be able to help, but there are complications potentially mm-hmm. with, with medicine. Sure. There's injections uh, like PRP, PRP mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think is effective in, in the literature. Right. Um, and um, as I, again, strengthening and exercise. Yeah. And, and on that point, if anyone's ever interested in PRP, simply give me a call um, and we can also help uh, to coordinate that. It's, uh, um, it's something very interesting. And as Dr. Gordon said, it, it is, does have good outcomes for things like knee issues. I believe also some shoulder issues, uh, Dr. Cer- Bergaza. Certain, certain shoulder issues for certain, sure. Yeah. Uh, but again, the, the point being here that if you have knee pain, you're unsure of what's going on, um, you got to give us a call, try to figure this out. We can get you in uh, to this knee clinic initiative, which will expedite your care. You're not wasting time with useless tests that as you're hearing from these two surgeons, um, doesn't really provide them much more information than they really need. It's really going to be based on what they hear in their physical exam. That's going to really highlight what they what the next step should be. And if surgery is potentially an option or non-operative 
uh, treatment modalities uh, such as physiotherapy, chiropractic, different types of injections, potentially medication. But it all starts by giving us a call so that we can simply, you will speak directly with me um, and we'll simply go through some inclusion and exclusion criteria uh, to see if this is a, a good fit for you. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com through email as well. Lots more of the Doctor Pain Show on the way. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Let's get back into this, uh, Doctor Lou. I uh, kind of ended off with arthritis, right? Yeah, we're yeah. continuing to talk about the knee here, and we uh, we've been speaking about arthritis of the knee, um, and maybe we should define that for our listeners so that people uh, know what what that means, what degenerative changes of the knee potentially means. So, Doctor Bergava, can you uh, give us some? Uh, some, some med school here. The uh, I mean, a- any bone that you look at, the end of the bone is coated with um, with a, a very uh, frictionless surface like Teflon. Right. So the you know when you when you look at the end of a chicken bone, that glistening part, that's the right. that's the cartilage. Yeah. So cartilage on cartilage, the friction of that is better than ice on ice, if you can believe that. Right. However, um, with time, that Teflon starts to wear, and then you start to see some of the underlying bone and then you don't get that that coverage. that coverage and it's painful so that's that's what arthritis is and there's really two types there's the de- degenerative type which is what we're talking about and the inflammatory right. type like rheumatoid which Related. we're not talking yeah. about we're talking about the degenerative yeah so so you can get degenerative changes due to autoimmune diseases uh, such as rheumatoid arthritis um or or different um you know, type of arthritis that happen due to a systemic reason, but we're talking more about the wear and tear. Um, what are some of the reasons that that coating, what, what leads to that? Um, I guess part of it is just being human that over time we break down, but are there other things um, that can maybe expedite that process, that natural wear and tear? So I think um, uh, certainly injuries can play a role. So people that have had um, active lifestyles and had injuries, um, those people certainly may be more at risk to develop arthritis. There may be some hereditary genetic factors that we don't fully understand uh, where it runs in families. Um, Ligament injuries that go untreated or even treated um, may have an increased risk of it. As we talked about, if you lose a significant portion of your meniscus, then specifically in the knee, that may lead to, to more arthritis. How about lifestyle size and weight? It's a weight-bearing place, right? So just place, re- right? recently, actually, they did say that weight does have mm-hmm. an influence. Now, for years, it said there was no link, but now, as I understand it, uh, there is evidence now that weight can do uh, affect arthritis. But the mm-hmm. other thing is, Manoj and I see a lot of athletes, and we'll have people come in, and I'll say, well, I've, I've got this problem with my knee, and we're actually not sure, do an MRI, find out that they do have some degeneration and tear. Well, how far do you run? Well, I, I, I run 200 kilometers a week. <laughs> Well, well, God forbid. Settle yeah, down, Forrest yeah. Gump. So, yeah. uh, run, Forrest, run, but not as far. Uh, so, uh, and one of the things there is common sense. So, you have to do other things. So you go on an elliptical. You do non-impact. You ride the bike. Then you Swim, run. Cross-train. Cross-train. Cross-train is, is critical. And, and someone that, and I, I, we never tell anyone not to do what they love to do, but we tell them the risk. And it's no different than if you had your car and you had to drive to Montreal every day from here uh, or, or drive down to the lake every day. Obviously, your car is going to wear out a lot quicker than one that goes to Montreal every day then comes down here uh, to the lake lakefront. Yeah. And right. if you ride your car and you have an extra 50 pounds in the trunk, it's probably not your a tires idea. are going to wear out faster. And now I guess even some, uh, you know, uh, 
anatomical uh, anomalies that people have. Maybe if they're flat-footed females with the wider pelvis, that can put more pressure on that hinge joint at the knee at different points, right? Is, is that not a contributing factor? Sure. Well, as you know, uh, Dr. Liu, uh, you know, your back being out of alignment, other injuries, mm-hmm. uh, all uh, in, inequality in strength, and that's why rehab is so important where you're trying to uh, equalize uh, the strengths mm-hmm. and, and uh, the symmetry in your body, all very important. So again, you're uh, good at, at orthotics and braces and that mm-hmm. sort of thing when you find that sort of uh, misalignment or, or problem. Uh, but the key thing, as we talked about earlier, is, is that is that mechanical uh, problem in the knee. So if you've got that stone in your shoe, mm-hmm. you've got that meniscal tear, you got to get rid of it. Yeah, and, and that's simple. Give us a call and, and see if you qualify um, for this clinic. And, and again, you don't need a referral from a, uh, your family doctor. Um, if you do have one, that's great as well. we'll we will obviously accept um, referrals from family doctors. But if you're listening, um, it's hard to get in with your family doctor um, or it's just not accessible, give us a call. Uh, you will have a discussion with me. You'll leave me a voicemail. I will give you a call back within 24 hours. Uh, we'll have a discussion about what's going on. We'll go through some inclusion exercises exclusion criteria. Um, and then you'll be sent to see uh, a knee specialist that could also be one of these two gentlemen sitting here. Um, and again, this is all with the intention of really improving outcomes for people suffering from knee pain. And, and I think it's very important to highlight right now as well that um, I think the people that could probably benefit the most from this type of program is an acute type of injury, something that's sudden. Um, I'm not saying if you have a chronic knee issue, don't give me a call. Give me a call. Uh, But I I do think that this type of knee clinic, this initiative that we're running is going to be really, really beneficial Mm -hmm. um, for that person that it's sudden, they're unsure, uh, get in. And and as we've gone through, you don't have to worry about going through useless uh, testing. That's not going to provide any more information. It's going to put a burden on our healthcare system. Um, You're going to be seen and you're going to be treated right away. And and the advantage of treating anything in an acute or subacute phase is your outcomes are better anyways, because once you get into the chronic phase we've gone through this a lot in the show um, chronic pain is is a different monster in the sense that now there's a, a psycho a psychological component perhaps um, that you know no we don't have good answers towards that type of stuff so absolutely in the acute phases where you really want to take advantage of this type of program I think you pointed out well that the the knee initiative will work probably its best for someone with an acute knee injury right and I think we'll have the biggest bang for the buck biggest sort of impact on people's lives if if we intervene on those kind of patients early on. What is acute, Dr. Bargava? I'll answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was coming to court today. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, acute injury. I would say. I would say the definition is something that happened. Something happened to your knee suddenly, violently, violently, perhaps within the last four to six weeks. And, th- and that's usually a good asso- time frame. Yeah, usually associated with some swelling right at the time, possibly a popping sensation. Um, which we'll talk about possibly in the next segment as uh, representing an ACL tear. We will. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. It's the Dr. Pain Show. Lots more coming up right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. The knee clinic, it's new. We'll get you in there quick. Just make that phone call, send the email, and get that happening. Right? Yeah, for sure. So we, we've talked about arthritis. We've talked about the meniscus. Another very, very important uh, structure in the knee that's often heard is the ACL. Uh, and again, I'm going to turn it to the experts that are here with us today to uh, discuss uh, ACLs, what it is, uh, the types of injuries that occur, how it gets treated, et cetera. So I guess we'll start with you, Dr. Bergava. So ACL stands for anterior cruciate ligament injury. 
most of the times that I see it is uh, people playing soccer, usually women, uh, as Dr. Gordon was mentioning, uh, six times more common for an ACL tear to occur in a girl or is, woman. Is there a reason for that? Yeah. So, so the so, reason the, the, that we believe it is is that the notch, which is in the thigh bone, where the ACL sits is a little tighter, smaller, so it acts like a guillotine sometimes in, mm. a, in a violent wow. type injury, so they have the chance of that ligament being torn uh, more. And one of the classic, two of the classic sports, as Manoj said, one is soccer, the other one is ultimate frisbee because there's, you know, that submarining when someone jumps up mm-hmm. and you come down and you twist. So it's always a twisting type uh, injury you've seen it in basketball. Oh yeah. It's a it's a common injury in a sure. lot of different sports. We were talking yeah. about baseball, yeah. basketball. It's it's one of the most common knee yeah. injuries, if, if not the most common that you, maybe you gentlemen see. And usually people may, people may associate with sort of a violent sort of hit to your knee. But most often, it's a non-contact injury. So, hmm. you're uh, on, on the soccer field. Your your spike gets caught, yep. um, right. and you turn, and and that's enough. And it's that so twisting nobody, nobody motion. Hits you. Right? No one hits you. Yeah. Your foot gets planted. So the planted non-contact injury is likely the most mechanism, uh, the most likely mechanism for the injuries to occur, mm-hmm. whether it be soccer or basketball or whatever where there's a twist in in the knee like yeah. it's a hinge joint it's mm-hmm. not meant to turn that way ra- that way right correct yeah there are some degrees of freedom sure. in the knee but but mm-hmm. uh not as much in the twisting and i've been writing a good friend of mine's son he was uh playing soccer went to kick the ball missed it kicked the ground and tore his acl oh man so hate <laughs> when that happens but uh yeah, it happens mm-hmm. but i i he's going to be re- i'm going to be bugging him about that for years and years and years <laughs> and th- and they didn't score either so it was bad. <laughs> what uh, are some of the initial symptoms that because i guess not i mean you know obviously if someone is playing something and they hear a pop that could be a full tear but what are some of the things where it's not a full tear of the acl what are some symptoms that people should look out for so we were talking previously about imaging so here's a trick if you if you have a if you have a that kind of mechanism of injury and you feel or hear a pop and have almost immediate swelling 70 percent of those people will have an ACL tear. That doesn't need any imaging. Stupid right. question, but is it no, extremely so painful or mostly painful? <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> let's do it to you right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Is it, like, seriously, is it completely, is it not as painful or more painful than it would appear, or is it mainly a visual I think, thing? I think it, it varies. Some people yeah. can't, some people have to be carried off the field, and yeah. and others walk it off. And Didn't Wentz, uh, for the Eagles, play two or three more plays with his torn ACL? I yeah. think he did. It's tough. So, yeah. Well, there, yeah. there's a lot of soccer players out there that have torn ACLs that are, that are playing. One of the structures, yeah. the hamstring, that provides a similar function to the ACL. If you've got yeah. a good hamstring, it could almost act in the absence of an ACL. It's not that I recommend that. It's something that's important. Not everyone who tears their ACL has to be operated on. Right. And, and there's another ligament in the knee as well called the PCL or posterior cruciate ligament. And mm-hmm. a great player, one of the top players of all time in the NHL, Stevie Iserman, mm-hmm. played without a ligament, I understand. So for years and years. So you don't have to have it uh, repaired. Most of the time you do. But again, the key with the tear is not only that you see a tear, it's the function that's so important. Right. So if you find that you're walking, you can't twist or you can't turn to catch a bus or your knee gives out or your knee gives out or buckles, then it's not functioning very well and you would have to reconstruct that that type of knee. And uh, Manoj, maybe you want to talk a little bit about reconstruction of uh, knees. So, I mean, people who have had an ACL tear and who have done the rehabilitation and still continue to have instability, which is sudden changes in direction, their knee gives out or that feels like they pop or uh, anything like that. Those are those are candidates who who would require or should should probably undergo uh, ACL reconstruction. Um, 
one of the benefits potentially of ACL reconstruction is to prevent future problems. So, right. but let, we'll talk about that in a second. The, the main reason to do it, I think, in the present setting is if you have acute ongoing instability after an ACL tear. The function, yeah. So if if that's the case, when when the ligament is torn, you can't just sew the ends back together again. You have to do what's called a reconstruction. Reconstruction means you have to take a ligament from somewhere else, right? And you have to replace the function of the ACL, and then you have to fix it on both sides in some way. So commonly, there's a few different grafts that we use. One is the patella tendon from the front, mm -hmm. um, which is used uh, fairly commonly in pivoting type athletes. Hamstring is a, another popular option. In older patients, sometimes we use uh, tissue from a dead person, like an allograft. Right. That may work. Um, all of them have really good success rates, and you have to individualize the treatment depending on what the patient wants to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's important. That's a and rehabilitation after is key. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a very different. So for a meniscus, usually it's three to six weeks. Mm -hmm. For an ACL, it's seven months. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and the wow. Jerry Rice. Uh, Story, I think, sorry, yeah. I can't remember if Jerry Rice said he was in San Fran, the 49ers yep. injured his knee. His doc what? wanted him to get back really quickly. Rice wanted to get back really quickly. Came back in four or five months instead of the seven. First play of the game, what happened? Crack, broke, yeah. his, broke his kneecap. Yeah. So it is seven months, six to seven months. Rehab. Or longer, or yeah. longer. Or longer. And, and I think the rehab component is another important thing to highlight here um, because I, I've, through the radio show, I've met a lot of different people who, for different areas of the body, but even including the knee, have surgery and they don't do the rehabilitation that they're supposed to be doing after. And uh, it, it's just not a good idea. You have to get the, this area of the body uh, stronger again, back to its full uh, mobility, its function, and uh, and go about it that way for sure. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. It's info at paincarecanada.com. Make that appointment. At least give uh, Dr. Lou a call and get it happening. We've got a few more minutes left to go here. The Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Info at paincarecanada.com. Talking about the knee clinic. It's new. Get in there. Make an appointment. It'll uh, yes, make things go much more quickly. Absolutely. You know. give, give us a call. Uh, it's uh, very important if you're suffering from any type of knee pain. Uh, let's have a discussion. If you qualify, you will be sent to see a specialist uh, right away. And, you know, prior we were talking, before we went to break, we talked about rehabilitation, which is uh, what's often done post-operatively. Uh, but one thing that's very, very important to highlight is how important prehabilitation is, which is when you do um, different types of active therapies and, and uh, modalities with a trained professional like a physiotherapist or a chiropractor prior to having uh, surgery. Dr. Gordon, can you highlight the importance of that? So that is critical. Once you have been injured, I think it's really important right away to put ice on whatever your injury is to get the swelling down, elevate your, your leg and do whatever you think uh, it, it is important to get that swelling and the injury uh, healing quickly. So we do know that um, the quicker you uh, address the, the swelling mm -hmm. and the pain, uh, the quicker you'll get back to strengthening and range of motion. Range of motion is very, very important to get back. And sometimes Manoj and I will wait till we get range of motion back before we even operate on somebody because right. it's so critical to, to do that. So uh, getting rid of the swelling, keep up your strength, uh, keep on rehabbing or prehabbing before mm -hmm. uh, you potentially Please. have surgery is very important because we know that if you strengthen and do all that before surgery, you're going to recover much quicker after surgery as well, and your outcomes are better after surgery. Right. 
And so this is very, very important to highlight that. Uh, um, don't think that if you're going for surgery, it's just the surgery aspect. There's stuff that you should be doing before, immediately following your injury. Um, you're going to have to do stuff after. But this is the beauty of the knee clinic and getting in. You'll be given all of this information. You'll know exactly what to do um, and how to improve your outcomes. Because at the end of the day, if you've been hurt, all you really want is that you're going to get um, back to normal or as close to normal as is possible it's it's you know you can't always hope to be a hundred percent but i think most people that suffer from injuries know that they just don't want it to affect their lives day to day um dr bergava can you kind of take us through uh what we've talked about in this show today about um the meniscus injuries arthritis all the things that people should be aware of um when they're dealing with their knee pain so I think uh, some of the things that we came, that we went to, that we went through today, the importance of what a locked knee is and how right. important that is. So if you have an injury to your knee and you can't straighten out your knee, that's a locked knee. Right. Okay. Until we prove otherwise. Yeah. Sometimes it's spasm, but but you have to assume that there there is a problem. Don't be like the patient I saw yesterday. He comes and sees someone six months later. Right. Um, if you have if you have an injury and you have immediate swelling and you have this popping sensation, you should be concerned about a ligament tear. Prehab is really important. I just want to go through. In the United States, probably about 20 years ago, um, at the bottom of a mountain where there's lots of skiing, they, they thought it was a great idea to start operating on these people right away. So if you tore your ACL on the mountain, they would bring you down. The next day, you would have ACL surgery. Wow. And what it turned out was all those patients got stiff because the injury incites this sort of inflammation in the knee and to operate on that knee when it's inflamed okay. led to all these problems with stiffness of the knee. Whereas so doing therapy first the will prehab is so important. So typically we will delay the surgery for an ACL for up to six weeks mm -hmm. to let someone uh, uh, regain the range the right of motion, thing. get rid wow. of the swelling, build up the strength and then do the operation. Right. Okay. So again, that's, that's very important. Give us a call. Um, if you're suffering from knee pain, we've gone through some some things. If you you have a locked knee, if you've got swelling, if you've got clicking, if this is an acute injury, especially I think like uh, we said earlier that this is probably uh, a program best suited to those uh, types of individuals that have something very very early ongoing. Um, and the advantage again is you're going to be in, you're going to get in very quickly to see a specialist who's going to take you through all of this stuff that we've just gone through today and the team surrounding these specialists. Um, and it doesn't end there. There's, again, if you're calling and you need to, you know, if, if one of our specialists recommends that you need therapy through our provider network anywhere in Ontario, we can recommend good places um, for that therapy. Um, and so this is a very, very um, important initiative that I think that we're doing that's really going to help improve the outcomes for people suffering from knee injuries. Um, and thank you very much to these two gentlemen, to Dr. Manoj Bergava and Dr. Rob Gordon for being here uh, with us today and providing their expertise. All starts with a uh, phone call as we wrap up for another weekend here. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, the Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.